Hi there, this is Roma Waterman and you're listening to Release the Sound, a podcast on prophetic worship. I'm believing this podcast will help you to understand and flow in the power of Holy Spirit-led worship in your church and in your private worship time. In this podcast, you're going to get a big dose of theological foundations, personal stories and practical applications that you can implement straight away to activate the power of prophetic worship that will bring healing, breakthrough and deliverance in your communities and your personal life. I hope as you listen, you'll also feel inspired and empowered. This is Release the Sound, a podcast on prophetic worship. Hey there, thank you for joining me today. I'm going to talk all things prophetic worship in this podcast. And I think you are going to love what we glean from the scriptures today. It will just make the idea of your worship come alive as you understand what it means to sing prophetically, what is prophetic worship, what is the new song. So if we actually study the scripture, there's lots of scriptures around singing the new song and we'd kind of interchange those phrases, wouldn't we? New song and prophetic worship are kind of the same thing. So I want to go in and study when we go deeper into the scripture, what does it mean to sing the new song? So we are going to start with Psalm 96 verse 1, where it says, sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth. Now, I love this word new. Do you know what that means? Dun, dun, dun. Well, it's a Hebrew word, chadash, and it actually means, get ready for it, it means new and fresh, right? And you might go, oh, Roma, but it actually means something else. And this is where I just love going, going a little deeper. So there is a root word where that word chadash in the Hebrew comes from, and it's the word P-L, P-I-E-L. And that root word means restored, repaired, and even to repair one's self. That's from the Hebrew word hithpel, which is part of that root word pl. So let's just take that all in for a moment, all right, guys, because it's pretty incredible. Singing to the Lord a new song doesn't just mean singing something fresh and singing something new. It certainly does mean that. But it also means singing something that brings restoration and repair and even brings healing to ourselves as we sing it. Now, I'm getting so excited just thinking about that, that when I release a sound of worship that is the new sound or is the new song, it doesn't just mean a spontaneous song, as in new just happens straight away, but it actually means releasing a sound that brings restoration and repair and brings healing to ourselves. But then let's go even deeper. I love these two thoughts from the Jacenius lexicon. It says this, the Bible usage of the word new, I'm actually going to quote from this lexicon. It says, etymologists have well observed that its primary sense is that of cutting and polishing. The significance of newness appears to proceed from that of a sharp and polished and splendid sword. Okay, so that's just blowing my mind already. Every time I teach this, I get overwhelmed emotionally because I think of how much that word new means. And then when you go back to that word PL, which is actually very interestingly, that word about restoring and repairing is not a word that's often synonymous or connected 
to worship. It's usually a word used when you're describing the repair and the restoration of buildings or towns. So let's put all that together right now. You're probably going, what? My brain's going to explode. So from these implications, we can assume this. The new song means this. It means fresh and new, but it also means forged, cut and polished. That could mean being well-written or presented well. It's sharp like a sword. It reaches its target. It's designed for it. It cuts through the hardest of hearts. It's splendid. It's beautiful in nature. It's a work of art, but it also brings restoration, not just to you, but restoration to your city, restoration to the people around you. This is why Prophetic worship and singing the new song is so, so important. And can you see now why the enemy wants to shut down your voice, wants to shut down the church's voice, wants our music to be beautiful and lovely but not have any power in it? Because when it does, it doesn't just make for a great Sunday service. It actually transforms our cities and towns. I'm getting blessed as I share that. So I want to say to you, Don't underestimate the power of the new song and what it can do in the hearts of people around you. Don't dismiss it, even if it's an old song or a song that's been done before, because it's not just about the spontaneous song. It's a skilled song. It hits the target. It's new and fresh because you're choosing it for the moment that you're in. You're being led by the Holy Spirit, and that is powerful. Let's study now what the new song can do, because now we understand it, but let's put it into context a little bit. These scriptures really blow my mind when I think about releasing this new song. Psalm 40 verse 3 says this, it says, he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Now, I think that this is amazing, right? Because Firstly, you might just go, that kind of song, I can't release that kind of song. But it's saying in this psalm, he's put this new song in your mouth. He put a new song in my mouth. So it is there, ready to be released. But what I find even more amazing is that a song is something that you hear. But this scripture is actually saying many will see. So what's happening here? When you sing this new song, it's not just about people hearing something that sounds pretty or makes them feel emotional. This scripture is actually saying when you sing the new song, people will see. Oh my goodness, people will see. You know, there's many songs, even worship songs that are pleasing to the ear. They sound nice, they're written well, and that's great. However, there's a bigger song. There's a new song that is bigger than that. It's a song that helps people see the Lord for who he is. They see his goodness. They see his healing power. That's the kind of song that he has put in our mouth. So it's not just a spontaneous song. You know, we can think that the new song means something new and fresh, but it, it does mean that, but it's so much more. So why should we do it? 
why should we sing this song? We've obviously gone, that's enough for me. I actually know that I have to sing it just from that revelation. But it's not enough to get us excited, right? We've got to really think about how we can activate this because I really do believe it is a strategy in days of war to release this new song and sound because it does bring restoration to cities. And I love this teaching by an amazing Jewish scholar called Kem Bentora. And he talks about um, what the song, the word song means in this scripture here. In Psalm 118 verse 14, it says, the Lord is my strength and song and has become my salvation. Now get ready because this is amazing, right? There's many words for song in Hebrew, but the word used for song in this passage is the word zamar. And that word, the way that the Hebrew language is built, now I'm no scholar, but the word zamar is spelt with three words. It's zayin, mem, and resh, because the Hebrew language wasn't just about letters. It was about symbols and images. And in my understanding is each symbol actually was a word. So the word zamar, which is song, is spelt with these three words, Zayin, Mem, and Resh. Okay, now let's break that down because when we do, we get this amazing picture of what song means in a whole other way. So the word Zayin, let's start with that one. That image for that word looks like a sword and it actually does mean a sword or a weapon, which kind of makes sense from what we just studied prior, right? And the sages used to say this. They used to say that Zayin, that sword would cut away all the things that weren't important and that it would only leave the things that were important. So this song, what Kem Bentora says is the song of what is most important to us. And the other interesting thing about this word zamar, if you actually break down this word, is that it means, the literal meaning is pruning hook. And what did a pruning hook be used for? It was used to cut away dead trees and branches. Now, that kind of makes no sense when you think, why are we using this word for a song? Well, the reason why it gradually evolved to the word song was because this pruning hook, the way that it looked, it had a curved blade and it would be swung back and forth to cut away dead trees and branches. And as it was cut away by an experienced farmer or experienced experienced person of the land, it would make this whistling sound that sounded like music and it had its own rhythm to it. Wow. Okay. So this is what Ken Bentura goes on to say about that. He says, as the object of pruning is to cut away the bad and leave the good, this word was used to express a song of triumph, victory, and salvation from one's foes. Thus, the Lord is my strength and my song of victory. It is a song that declares the Lord has removed all the bad things from my life and left only that which is good and brings me victory. Wow, we're only on the first part of that word and we're already going, this is crazy. So let's go to the next letter in this word, zamar, which is mem. Now this is beautiful because mem represents water and it also represents the revealed knowledge of God. So let's think about that for a moment. If you think of jumping into an ocean where you're completely surrounded by water, that's what happens, isn't it? You're just completely immersed. You can't get away from it. The water is everywhere. And that's a beautiful analogy to express what it means to sing this song 
of the Lord, this beautiful song, because when you're truly worshipping him, you're totally immersed, aren't you? It's not something that's separate from you. But how often do we sing those songs in church and we're just looking at words on a screen or we're looking at the teleprompter if you're leading worship and all you're thinking about is, am I singing in key or am I fitting the right time frame? Oh my goodness, this song you meant to be fully immersed. You can't get away from it. It's not separate from him. You are totally immersed in the revealed knowledge of God. It's not something separate from you. It's getting into the pores of your skin. And I love what um, Ken Ventura goes on to say. He says, when you sing this song, it is a song that surrounds you with the revealed knowledge of God. God is completely surrounding you and revealing himself to you. That's the kind of song we want to be singing. Let's finally go to the last letter in this word, zamar, that means song, and it's the letter resh. And resh represents the Holy Spirit, which brings conviction to our lives. And isn't that true? You know, the Holy Spirit often reveals to us and opens things up. When we're open to him, he reveals things that are dead in our lives, things that need to be cut away from us. And when this happens, we want to make a change. We want to repent. We want to turn away from the things that cause us to sing. Wow. So we have these three ideas. Let's break it down. This word, zamar, when we sing the song of the Lord, We're completely surrounded by who God is, so much so that we release this sound from the deepest part of us, this song that cuts dead things out of our lives, cuts dead things off the lives of others, and we're becoming more aware of what we need to let go of, what we need to repent of, and what we need to surrender to him. So if you're listening to this podcast You're probably gathered by the way I'm talking. I'm passionate about this. I am. But I want you to think for a moment. Are your times of worship this dynamic? I ask myself this question all the time. I don't get it right every time. Sometimes I'm distracted. Sometimes I haven't spent the time to have that revealed knowledge of God. What are we doing? What are we doing with our times of worship in churches? Are we filling a part of our service before the preaching? Are we going through the motions? We can often do this because that's the way it's always been done or you you haven't seen something new being modelled. But imagine with me for a moment that every time we sang, we were experiencing zamar. And that, my friend, gives us a small glimpse of what it means to step into prophetic worship, worship that stirs us and changes things around us. It's God being revealed. You are perceiving, that's what prophetic means, you are perceiving what God is trying to say as you release this sound. And I'm really believing that as we continue on with this series, you are going to model this. You are going to be a pioneer for this. So I want to ask you at the end of this session, will you go off your map? Will you take the risks that you need to step into this? It's not going to be easy. We can be lulled into a false sense of security by nice sounds. The worship can be rich and beautiful where you are. But is it the zamar? Is it cutting away? Is it making a sound that is forged and polished, that's repairing your cities and towns? Because that's what we're going to go after. Thanks so much for listening to Release the Sound, a podcast on prophetic worship. If you're hungry for more, head to romawaterman.com 
where you can check out my book, Releasing Heaven's Song, Singing Over Your Nation for Breakthrough and Revival. It includes activations that you can use with your team or even on your own. And I've also got an online school where we have several courses on the prophetic, worship, spirituality, and creativity. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review. And until then, I pray that you will release the song of heaven over your family, your church, and even your nation. And I look forward to sharing with you in the next Release the Sound Prophetic Worship Podcast.